chopped off heads, thick heads and blood. To me, riffs are fucking timeless. You've got generations of people going to see them. It's our best album so far. The fans have been asking for it. They've been asking for it for years. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It's like music we play, man. You're either going to like it or not. There are satanic bands. Some of them really aren't. We're playing the craziest drunken debauchery show we've played probably ever. It is not a condition to be doing a podcast. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Welcome back to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. This is episode 74, November 2022. I'm your host, Robert, a.k.a. Gomthog Metallicus, checking back in to review a couple of noteworthy concerts I've had the pleasure to attend this fall. Before that, a reminder to check out all our links in the show notes so you can like, follow, and or subscribe to the podcast. You'll find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, and you can follow us on social media via Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just use the keywords Metal Debate to find us on whatever platform you're searching. So I was fortunate over the past few months to hit a number of great shows and festivals, including two I want to focus on in this episode – catching legendary German metal act Accept alongside Narcotic Wasteland in Nashville, Tennessee, on the first evening of their U.S. tour, as well as Swedish pagan Sabaton roaring through Cincinnati as part of their North American tour joined by Epica. Both were excellent, and I have a lot to say about them. But before that, let's start with a little music. Here's German heavy metalers Gloryful with their song The Oath off the 2019 album Cult of Sedna. Let 
That was The Oath by Gloryful, a track from their album Cult of Sedna, released in 2019 through Massacre Records. The first show I want to review is on a Thursday evening, with me making the drive after work to see Accept and Narcotic Wasteland in Nashville, Tennessee. This concert kicked off Accept's North American tour in support of their 2021 album Too Mean to Die and their first tour of the U.S. in nearly a decade. I'll be honest, I was really excited for this one. I'd seen Udo before, but not Accept proper and have always been an admirer of founder and guitarist Wolf Hoffman's work. I'm also a big fan of Dallas Toller Wade and Narcotic Wasteland, and please check out our previous interview with them on the podcast. I really thought this was a compelling package, matching a classic metal act with a newer death metal band, but one with an important lineage. For my money, a good way for each band to capitalize on building a crossover audience. Now, for this concert, the venue was the Brooklyn Bowl, located in downtown Nashville, a location I'd never been to before. It wasn't that much to look at from the street front, but honestly, I was blown away when I walked into the concert hall as they literally had one of the best lighting rigs I'd ever seen outside of Las Vegas. I mean, this place was equipped on par with what you might see at a Cirque du Soleil show. Just really, really impressive and gave what was a mid-sized venue a very big show feel. There was a local opener for this one, which I hadn't expected. Nashville's Lost Circus was exactly the kind of throwback act that I typically despise. Harkening to that era of 80s cringeworthy heavy metal hard rock amalgam. And while stylistically they certainly weren't my cup of tea, I'll give it to Lost Circus for putting on a solid set. The singer had some real vocal chops, and their lead guitarist might have been the second coming of Jakey Lee with his competent shredding and the classic guitar hero posing. All around good energy, up-tempo, got the crowd engaged, and generally looked like they belonged on the same stage as the national touring acts. Exactly what you'd want from a local opener. Now, Narcotic Wasteland plays a style that is, in my opinion, pretty innovative, pulling from a lot of different styles, and again, I thought putting them on a tour with Accept was a great pairing. There's the obvious Nile similarities, and Narcotic Wasteland are technical, but without being stereotypically tech-death. They're just a good mix of death metal styles without being too predictable. They opened with the song Pharmaculture from their sophomore release, Delirium Tremens, going right into Keeping Up with the Joneses from their debut album. They also played the new track, The Best Times Have Passed. Dallas was great, a frontman who obviously enjoys performing and seems not to take himself too seriously on stage, which for my money is a good trait to have when playing death metal. And his live band was very strong. I think I'd seen his drummer less than a month before behind the kid at Full Terror Assault Fest. They executed extremely well on stage, probably their best performance in all the times I've seen them play live. And then there was a headliner, Accept. Now, I really don't envy the position of classic metal bands like Accept, Wasp, or Judas Priest. Likely 75% of the fans who come out to see them are aged, nostalgia suckers who believed the 80s were the heyday of heavy metal and who stopped listening to new metal after 1989, folks with no interest in listening to music released since. I personally can't stand those people. But obviously, for Accept to have a success, they have to cater to them by having a heap and helping of old songs. And Accept did that. What I also thought Accept did well was liberally mixing in newer material and indeed their set list contained tracks from throughout the band's storied history. That include the title track from the album Objection Overruled, as well as four songs from the Blood of the Nations album. The band did a mashup of older Accept tracks at one point, including Losers and Winners, Starlight, and Flash Rockin' Man. 
The old-timers were likely happy without it becoming a night entirely devoted to throwbacks. Wolf Hoffman was everything I'd hoped he'd be. Not only did he play the songs exactly the way I'd hoped, he had a real strong stage presence and seemed to really enjoy performing. Smiling on stage, grinning it up with the fans and the crowd, really playing to the audience. Singer Mark Trinello is more than capable doing justice to the classic tracks, but also bringing a new, engaging sound to the later incarnation of Accept. The band concluded the evening with the ACDC cover, I'm a Rebel, which they recorded way back in 1980, and for my money, they improved on and really had made their own. It was truly a great evening of metal, old and new, with some 1,500 metal fans of all ages coming home satisfied after plenty of fist-pumping and head-banging. Before we move on to the next show, here's some more music. This one from U.S. Symphonic Cinematic Metal Act, After Time. This is Forge Your Destiny.
hailing from Minneapolis. That was Aftertime with the track Forge Your Destiny from the 2021 EP Infinite Legacy. On to the next concert review, Sabaton and Epica. The venue for this show was the Andrew J. Bradley Center in Cincinnati, a relatively new facility downtown, very close to the waterfront. I'd never been to this venue either and really wasn't sure what to expect. When I walked up to it, it was a lot larger building than I was expecting, with fans lined up for blocks. Later, when I got inside, I spoke to the marketing guy for the Bradley Center, who said capacity varied, but I'd estimate it probably held around 4,000 when filled. The show that night wasn't a hard sellout, but it was damn close, with no space on the floor by the time Sabaton hit the stage. During the show, they did say that night was the largest crowd Sabaton had ever played in front of in the U.S., which I can definitely believe. As nice as the Bradley Center was, it was way larger than my preference for a venue. For a metal show where I want to feel connected to the artist, give me a 500 to 1,000 capacity hall any day. Although I will give credit where it's due, for its size, the Bradley Center folks seem to have designed it to have as intimate a feel as possible. Good sight lines and a lot of verticality to keep distance from the stage at a minimum. Epica were first to perform that night, and as always, they were amazing. For my money, there aren't many, if any, more compelling live metal bands than Epica when you consider quality of the material, stage presence, and overall dynamic presentation. Now, the setlist selection for this show wasn't entirely to my liking, with no tracks from Designer Universe and only Terror from the Divine Conspiracy album. Also, maybe a hot take here, but I kind of feel like on a non-headlighting slot, Epica should, for purposes of time and pacing, either play Consigned to Oblivion or Cry for the Moon. Not both, as much as I love either song. But there was still a lot for me to like as well, with the opening track Abyss of Time, a new classic, as well as Sensorium and Beyond the Matrix showing the band's skills at a high level. But any setlist quibbles I had really can't detract from the majesty of Epica's performance. Mark Jansen is simply a god on stage, smiling one moment and then unleashing his evil growls. Cohen Jansen brings an energy that other keyboardists rarely can. Whether jumping behind his big rolling board or running around the stage with his mobile curveboard, even coming down in the pit to rub faces with the crowd. Simone Simmons is always so elegant on stage, but she's also a vicious headbanger who knows how to rile up the audience. And her voice was truly great, right on pitch, despite the band having been on tour at that point for many weeks traversing North America. Now, certainly a lot of the crowd that evening was there to see Sabaton, which could have made it a difficult sell for the opening act, but Epica were up to the task. And they succeeded mostly because there's no hiding the sheer joy with which they perform and the obvious camaraderie they have with one another and the fans. And while perhaps not everyone there knew the songs, the band definitely got them in the spirit. By the time Mark asked the thick crowd to form the wall of death for the finale, there was a contagious energy in the building. I tried my damnedest to push through the throng to get down front, but it was just too dense uh, at that point to do so. Nonetheless, Epica gave a powerful performance I can't wait to see them the next time they return to the U.S. And finally, there was the headliner, Sabaton. Sabaton's a band I've gotten to see play live a number of times, mostly in the support slot. The single time I saw them headline was some years back at Diamond Pub in Louisville, an insane, sweaty, sold-out show. This time they were the headliner on a much larger stage with all the proper accoutrements to make their show impress, including having the tank under the drums. 
Sabaton began the show playing a moving video discussing the role of U.S. soldiers in World War I and promoting the building of a monument to those soldiers in Washington, D.C., at one point causing the crowd to spontaneously burst into chants of USA, USA, USA. Lest one think this was some throng of ultra-nationalists later in the show, and it made me laugh, frontman Joachim asked the crowd whether they wanted to hear the song Gott mit uns sung in English or Swedish, resulting in an overwhelming roar for the Swedish option. Whether this means U.S. metal fans are complex or merely inconsistent, I'll leave for you to decide. Sabaton leaned heavily in their headlining set list on tracks from their most recent albums, including The Great War, and I wasn't against it. Dreadnought, Stormtroopers, and Soldier of Heaven are just as strong live as any of the older tracks they played, and I love them all. But they also liberally mixed in plenty of older tracks like Swedish Pagans, Fukuyama, and Careless Rex, all of which had the crowd hopping. The band did plenty of fun stuff on stage, including some costume changes, but otherwise kept the performance fairly straightforward, allowing the music to carry the weight of the show. Joachim did a great job of emotionally framing many of the songs with his introductions so that even if you weren't familiar with a given track, you understood the background and vibe intended. One moment that really stood out to me was something I saw in the upper balcony where I'd moved at one point to take some higher vintage photos of the band and stage. There were two ladies seated together, both of whom were obviously blind, probably in their 30s, one white, one black. At one point, I think it was during Christmas Truce, those ladies spontaneously stood up and began to sway to the music holding hands. That two blind ladies of different races in the U.S. were having such a profound experience hearing the live performance of a bunch of guys from Sweden playing metal, it gave me goosebumps. Geography, nationalities, languages, and physical differences might divide us otherwise, but metal brings us together. One of the other things I will always remember from this show was simply the incredible amount of merch Sabaton sold. Like, the line to get Sabaton gear was literally wound down the hall, wrapped down two flights of stairs, and into other areas of the building. It was insane. In all the concerts I've ever attended, I've never seen the thirst for shirts and merch for a band like at that Sabaton gig. Pagan's getting paid. I don't know much about the business, but I can tell you that night in Cincinnati, Sabaton made an absolute killing in merch sales, regardless of what the exchange rate is from dollars to Swedish kronas. Both these shows, except in Nashville and Sabaton Cincinnati, were awesome. Not just for the concerts themselves, but also to see European metal bands back touring in the U.S. again. Coming across the pond for European bands is always a financial risk, even in the best of times. And then a lot of acts were brought to the edge of financial ruin when the pandemic shut down spring tours in 2019. I'm so very glad to see these bands back stateside and that metal fans are coming out in droves to see them. We'll close out the metal for this episode with Greek newcomers Dark Legion playing Dragon Saga from their 2022 debut album, God of Harvest.
Thanks to Aftertime, Dark Legion, and Gloryful for allowing us to play their amazing songs on our show. Check out these bands on social media and listen to their entire catalogs. Thanks also to Asher Media Relations and Cosa Nostra PR for facilitating our coverage of these shows, as well as the staffs at the Brooklyn Bowl in Nashville and the Bradley Music Center in Cincinnati for their kind assistance. Be sure to tune into our next episode where we'll be reviewing the top metal albums of the past year. Until our next podcast, sell your soul for metal and defend it till your dying day. We'll be right back.